The San Francisco Giants are going to the playoffs. That we know. It is still possible. It's just going to be a one-game situation for the Giants, and they could be done after that. But assuming they get in and they potentially have a deep run, what is that playoff roster going to look like? Are there going to be some players who have contributed this season who are going to be left off the postseason roster? So we get into that question and many more on today's mailbag edition of the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me on Sunday toward the end of the game to get in on the action. And coming up on today's show, as I kind of mentioned there in the opening, we are going to be doing a mailbag. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions on Twitter. Jumping right in, first two questions are about the playoff roster, as I kind of teased there. Logan asks, what do you think the playoff rotation will look like? What would be the ideal postseason lineup versus a lefty and versus a righty? And then Matt in Maine asks, with the playoffs looking almost for certain, again, this was a mailbag, uh, the playoffs looking certain, who do you think or what do you think will, will the will be the Giants' 26-man roster, or more specifically, what player that has contributed, what player has contributed but will not be on the 26-man roster. So these are a couple of interesting jumping-off points for us to talk about. Uh, The number one thing that stands out to me at this moment is that currently the roster is at 28, let's not forget. And when the postseason comes around, you're looking at a 26-man roster. So I definitely think that some players who have contributed will end up being left off the roster. But let's first talk about a playoff rotation, because a number of people also asked about the Giants potentially going with a bullpen game in the playoffs. And it is a possibility if they get deeper into the, you know, NLDS, NLCS, and potentially World Series. But I think that to start, I mean, the first question is, what if you're in the wildcard game? Who's going to start that game? And as I have said before, I think it partially depends on, you know, do they have to use some of their pitchers to try to get into, you know, to try to win the division? Because if it all comes down to the last weekend, which it very well might, They may just have to use Kevin Gosman and Logan Webb in those games trying to win the division. And then there's potentially a game 163, and then who pitches in that, and then there's potentially a wildcard game. I think at this moment in time, they would probably go to Logan Webb if they had their choice of trying to win a must-win game. And then behind Webb, I do think Kevin Gosman is that number two guy in this rotation right now. 
And behind those two, I think it's Anthony DiSclefani and then a healthy Alex Wood, who's coming back from COVID-19. I think he would be that number four starter. I don't have a ton of belief that Johnny Cueto is going to come back uh, before the end of the season. And a five-man rotation is not uh, typical in the postseason. So I think that if Johnny Cueto is healthy, I mean, I just don't think he's going to be healthy. But if he is, uh, the question is, would he even make a start? Or do you kind of piggyback? Does he come out of the bullpen? I don't think he's actually comfortable coming out of the bullpen. So that would be interesting. He's potentially a guy who could be left off a playoff rotation, uh, even if he's capable of pitching. Uh, that's maybe a little bit of a hot take. I'm not sure. I also I, I do think that a bullpen game would be a better strategy than just throwing out Johnny Cueto in a critical playoff game. So in terms of the ideal lineup versus a lefty and versus a righty, I mean, let's talk about a righty first uh, because that, you know, most pitchers are right-handed. Although if you're facing the Dodgers, they've got, of course, Clayton Kershaw and Julio Urias. So a couple of lefties there. And then if you're in the wildcard game, you're probably facing a righty if you're facing the Padres. If you're facing the Cardinals, also probably a right-handed pitcher, although they do have some lefties uh, to throw at you. And then if it's the Reds, you're probably facing, I don't know, probably a righty. I was going to say Luis Castillo, but maybe Wade Miley uh, starts that game. So it remains to be seen if you would be facing a lefty or a righty. But I think, you know, in terms of the ideal lineup, it's pretty much what they've been able to throw out there lately. You've got Tommy LaStella and Brandon Belt in there at the top against a righty. Uh, throw in Buster Posey in the middle of that lineup. Lamont Wade Jr., Chris Bryant, Brandon Crawford. I'd probably switch uh, Brandon Crawford and Lamont Wade Jr. in that lineup and maybe have Lamont Wade Jr. at the top. But Wade Jr. has kind of been in a little bit of a funk lately. Hasn't been hitting home runs a lot lately. Uh, so I might switch Brandon Crawford and Wade Jr., but I do think Wade Jr. is in there. And Yastrzemski, I've got him in center field in a playoff game against a right-handed pitcher. Evan Longoria is in there too. And so according to, you know, me, <laughs> that would that would leave you with Longoria and Yastrzemski as your eight or seven and eight hitters in the lineup, which I think would be uh, really, really strong. I'd also maybe put Chris Bryant up a little bit, but you know, lineup order doesn't matter as much as we think. So against a lefty, though, everything changes. And that's what the Giants have been able to do so effectively. Uh, I would have Darren Ruff in there for sure. Uh, note that I didn't even mention Alex Dickerson as a possibility uh, in that lineup against right-handed pitching. When you've got Longoria healthy, he's at third base. And then that puts Chris Bryant in the outfield. And then you've got Wade Jr. and Yastrzemski. So it kind of does take Alex Dickerson out of the equation. And so I think he's potentially a guy I'd like to have him on the bench. I'd probably prefer to have him on the bench over Steven Duggar, although Duggar provides that late inning defense and potentially uh, base running. So it's kind of a question as to whether or not you'd want Duggar or Dickerson on your bench, but I don't think either of them cracks the starting lineup against a right-handed pitcher if everybody's healthy. So that's kind of our first, you know, uh, controversial spot on the roster or, you know, spot that might, or that's up in the air and un undecided at this point. But against a lefty, Darren Ruff has to be in there. Uh, Wilmer Flores or Donovan Solano could play second base for you. 
Uh, Longoria, of course, in there. I would like Crawford in there at shortstop, even against a lefty in the playoffs because of the defense. It's a question as to whether or not Brandon Belt starts against a lefty. I would lean towards yes uh, because of the defense and because I believe in the bat, uh, whether or not it's a lefty or a righty. But that, that'll be an interesting position to watch. It's possible that Darren Ruff could play first base or Flores could play first base. And in left field, you could still have uh, Chris Bryant in center. You're probably going with Austin Slater, although that's not a guarantee. Although I would I would lean towards yes, they would do that. And then in right field, you're looking at that's that's actually a big question is who would play right field against a left-handed pitcher. When I look at who is currently on the injured list, I don't uh, see an obvious fit. So I don't actually remember off the top of my head. I think that you could potentially put Darren Ruff in like left field, start Brandon Belt, or you know you could have Flores at first base, Ruff in left, Bryant in right, and then Slater in center. So the the point is they're going to be moving people around a lot. Uh, there's definitely like Tyro Estrada. I didn't mention his name. He's a guy who definitely has contributed, but could be left off. As I mentioned, Stephen Duggar. So there are some potential guys who could not make it, but we shall see. We shall see. And that's the beauty of it. Uh, the Giants are going to the playoffs. So we're going to find out. But for me, hopefully that answered your question uh, to an extent. It, it's hard to say with this team. There's so many different moving parts. So coming up next, more questions and answers. But first, did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's really something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. We have a locked on group chat and we spend like 90% of our time discussing Built Bar. That's just how much we are fans of Built Bars. They've got coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. You want to know what my favorite fa- flavor is? I can't pick, but I'll just say raspberry. I like them all. They are delicious and taste like candy bars. But very importantly to me, they come in with a healthy profile, just four to five grams of sugar and packing a punch with 17 to 18 grams of protein. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, as promised, we are going to get into more questions and answers. Philney the Younger asks, asks, Caspic's picks, contending team you least want to face slash toughest potential opponent for number one, the NL wildcard, number two, the NLDS, three NLCS, and four World Series. And then on the flip side, contending teams you most want to face slash slash easiest potential opponent for the wildcard, NLDS, NLCS, and World Series. So the contending team I would least least want the Giants to face in the in the wild card game that is a tough question. I mean they're all going to be tough potentially in a one game situation. And so what you're thinking about, what I'm thinking about when we're talking about potentially the wild card game, I'm thinking about starting pitching. Who has the starting pitcher who could just potentially go out there 
and shut you down and beat you in that game. Let's remember that game is going to be in San Francisco if the Giants are in the wildcard game. I honestly want to lean towards the Padres being the team I would least want to face in the wildcard game. I think they would have a full head of steam. That team has an attitude. And if they make it to that game, like for them, that's the only thing they're playing for is that second wildcard spot. They know they're not going to win the division. They've already been eliminated. They know they're not going to be the number one wildcard team. So if they get into that second wildcard game, first of all, it would probably mean they've defeated the Giants some down the stretch because they play each other still six more times in the last 15 games for the Giants, including the last three of the regular season. And so you're potentially going to play a series against them to end the season. And let's say Padres win some games and clinch that second wildcard spot. They're going to have some confidence against you and they're going to be able to stay in town potentially, right? Because that 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 last series is in, is in San Francisco and the wildcard game would be in San Francisco. So they would just potentially get a little bit too comfortable and they can throw at you whoever's hot. I mean, Blake Snell could come off the injured list. I don't think it's going to be you, Darvish, considering his recent struggles. But Joe Musgrove is kind of the guy I fear, although... All of these teams have a pitcher they can throw at you who would potentially, who could potentially shut you down. Luis Castillo on the Reds, Jack Flaherty on the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, if the Phillies somehow sneak into there, Austin, Aaron Nola, excuse me, uh, is someone I wouldn't want to face. Maybe the Mets. I don't think the Mets uh, have much of a shot to make that game, but. Maybe, I don't know if you count them as contending. They're three games under 500. Padres, six games over 500. So I don't think the Mets are going to make it there. But anyway, I've got to move on to the second part of this question. Uh, The NLDS, the team I would least want to face, is obvious. It's the Dodgers. Although the Giants have played the Dodgers tough during their stretch of dominance. Since 2013, they've played the Dodgers as tough as anybody. But that still, that team is just ridiculously terrifying. I mean, the starting pitching, the offense, the bullpen, they are a complete team. Any other year, we would still just be considering this a dominant Dodgers team. The only reason uh, we're, some people consider this like a quote-unquote disappointing year for the Dodgers is because the Giants are having this unbelievable season. But as great as the Giants season has been, the Dodgers are right there one game back. So they're easily the team I would least want to face at any point. Although, the fan side of me, like it would potentially be a lot of fun. And especially if you can beat that team, the Giants would be riding a huge wave of momentum. So in terms of the NLCS, it's likely that the Brewers are going to face the winners of the NL East. And the winner of the NL East is probably going to be the Braves, but the Phillies are still in play. Uh, definitely would not want to face the Brewers when it comes to Brewers or Braves. Brewers starting pitching is just scary and we saw it uh Corbin Burns Brandon Woodruff Freddie Peralta and then Josh Hader and Devin Williams those guys are going to throw like 90 percent of the innings for the Brewers in the playoffs that team could easily win the World Series on the back of the of their starting pitching so they're the team I would I would least want to face there and then in the World Series honestly I'm not as scared as any of the teams in the in the AL as I am of several teams in the NL The team I would least want to face is probably the Tampa Bay Rays, honestly. Uh, They are 
They have the best record in the American League. There's there's quite a few scary teams, but what scares me about the Rays is that they're they're going to manage their roster really really efficiently. They're going to get matchups. They're kind of like the Giants in a lot of ways. They they get the most out of their players. They're super athletic. They play defense and they run the bases well. That's not necessarily like the Giants, but just in the sense that they get the most out of their players. Honestly, they might not be the team that scares me the most, but I would not feel great about a potential matchup with the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, quickly, just running through the the teams I would most want to face, we'll say, I don't know, the Phillies or the Mets in the wildcard game. Uh, in the NLDS, you could still potentially face the Phillies, like if they win the East and then somehow beat the Brewers. So I'll say the Phillies would be the team I would most want to face in that NL. Oh, that would be the NLCS. I guess in the NLDS, best case scenario, you win the division, Dodgers go to the wildcard game and lose to a team like, I don't know, the Cardinals. If you're facing the Cardinals in the NLDS, that would be great. And then we'll say Phillies, NLCS. And in the World Series, um, I don't know, the 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 A's maybe? Or yeah, probably the A's. Giants have done well against the A's this season. A's are still in play in that wild card game, so they could potentially be a team that does go to the World Series. So that was kind of a, a long answer to that question. And the next question comes from Saber Filer, I think I'm saying that right, who says, anyone thinking that if it works out, it might be in the Giants' best interest to win the division, but let the Brewers have the best record. Dodgers would have to win the wild card game, then Brewers and Dodgers beat each other up for five games before winner faces Giants in NLCS. And yes, the thing is, though, you can't let another team have the best record. And given where the standings are at this moment in time, it's very unlikely. Giants have 95 wins. Brewers only have 89. And so for the Giants to win the division, meaning hold off the Dodgers, yet somehow be overtaken by the Brewers, it's almost impossible to envision that scenario. Although I like your thinking, it it would be potentially advantageous, and I've talked about this before actually, that having the best record means like if the Giants win the division, they're very likely to also have the best record in the league, which would mean they would have to face the wildcard winner, which very likely could be the Dodgers. And so, yeah, it would be ideal if you didn't have to face the Dodgers in the NLDS, and this would be a way to avoid it. But I think best case scenario... You finish with the best record, you win the division, Dodgers go to the wild card game, and then they lose, and then you end up facing a team like p- potentially the Cardinals or the Reds. I think that would be the Giants' best case scenario. Although, again, part of me hopes for facing the Dodgers in the playoffs for the first time ever and beating them because I think that would just be obviously a lot of fun. So, coming up next, more questions and answers. But first, We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. 
From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, and don't forget about baseball, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, as promised, we are going to get into more of your questions and answers. Again, thank you so much to everyone who participated by submitting questions on Twitter. Curtis asks, hope this isn't too late, but with Chris Bryant struggling of late and his likely massive impending price in the offseason, do you think the Giants will be interested in re-signing him? What do you think they'll offer versus what he'll end up signing? So this is an interesting question because I think we have seen enough of Chris Bryant to understand there's a lot of talent in there, but he's also not a perfect player. And so, you know, the question is, is he someone they want to lock up long term? And I think that part of what is attractive to me about this kind of question and thinking about this is that they have uh, they have, what am I trying to say? They have flexibility, right? They have roster flexibility and financial flexibility, and that's what it's all about. And so I kind of like that they haven't yet committed themselves to Chris Bryant or really to anybody else besides, you know, Brandon Crawford. They signed him to that short-term extension. We're talking about just a two-year extension for Brandon Crawford that he signed this offseason. I saw an article by Kerry Crowley today. Uh, I, did, I didn't yet read it, but it was about Brandon Belt. He talked to Brandon Belt, and Belt basically said that he wants to remain a giant. And so... Brandon Belt is a guy for me, like Crawford, I would like to see them lock up for a short-term extension. But obviously your question is about Chris Bryant. And for me, he is a guy that they're going to be interested in bringing back. But there's also a lot of talent that's going to be out there in free agency this year. We're talking Carlos Correa is out there. Marcus Simeon, who's having a monster season, is out there. Uh, Trevor Story is out there. Max Scherzer potentially a free agent, Clayton Kershaw. So there's a lot of talent that's going to reach free agency this year. Chris Bryant is among them, but I don't think they want to force themselves into a position where he is the guy. I think they want to, you know, they're probably interested in bringing him back on their terms. I like the way he's able to move around the diamond, but let's be real. He's struggled defensively at third base a little bit. He's had some several actually throwing errors where he's just kind of either thrown the ball high or 
uh, pulled it to his left and and not gotten some key outs on some throws. And also defensively, while he can play outfield, I as I even said before the trade happens happened, he plays a lot of positions, but I don't think he plays any of them all that well. I think he's um, capable at those positions, but he's not plus plus at any of those positions. And to me, he's a big guy. I mean, he's 6'5", 230, according to Fangraphs. Uh, obviously, the height is not something that varies, but I don't know if the weight is accurate. But my point is that he he's while he's fast, he's not like the quickest, if that makes any sense. So anyway, your question is, what do you think they'll they'll offer and what do you think he'll get? I have pointed to the George Springer contract as a comp uh, without... I'm trying to go based on memory. I think it was six years, 150 million. It's hard to do math when you're like on the fly like this. Uh, So I'm pulling up George Springer's contract. My internet, for whatever reason, has been extremely slow lately, uh, even though, never mind. I think it's six years, 150 million, uh, and that 25 million a year sounds about right as a comp for Chris Bryant. In terms of what I think he'll get, I think the Giants would like to come in under that. I remember Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs came up with a uh, what his projection system thought George Springer was going to be worth over the next X amount of years and came up with an ideal contract. And I think it was like five years, $108 million or something like that. So it's possible the Giants come in with a deal more like five, $110, $505. But... Again, they're going to give themselves the flexibility to be able to make an offer like that to Bryant, but also make an offer to Marcus Simeon, also potentially make an offer uh, to Carlos Correa. Corey Seager is a guy I didn't mention. All of these guys are going to be free agents. So it's great that the Giants have flexibility, uh, but it's also, again, like this offseason is going to be, they're, they're potentially going to have to fill out their entire starting rotation uh, besides Logan Webb, Gosman, Disclafani, Wood, Cueto, all set to reach free agency. So they're going to have a lot to do. I know your question was just about Bryant, but that's kind of the context for me uh, when we talk about Bryant. So moving on, the last question comes from John, who says, wouldn't it be beneficial to the overall bullpen health down the stretch to call up the hottest AAA starting pitcher for a spot start instead of, or two, excuse me, instead of expecting eight to 10 relievers to all be on their game on the same day. So there are a number of points here that I want to get into really quick uh, about this question. It's a it's a super relevant question because the Giants are going with lately two bullpen games to fill in for Alex Wood and Johnny Cueto. Wood is supposed to come back tomorrow on Saturday, so it'll be less of a concern moving forward. But the idea that this is a common like argument against bullpen games is that you're relying on eight to 10 whatever relievers to be on on the same day. I think that that's actually nonsense because the beauty of a bullpen game is that if somebody isn't on, you just take them out right away. And you're not kind of forced into a position where you have to go with someone who's struggling. I think it's almost more of a risk with a starting pitcher because you're planning to rely on that guy to give you five, six, seven innings and if he's not on, you still they still kind of stick with them because they need them to get through that game. Whereas with the bullpen game, like we saw in the last bullpen game for the Giants, I think uh, Dominic Leone 
left with runners on the corners and nobody in. And they went and made a move and brought in Harleen Garcia. It didn't happen to work out because Garcia wasn't on, but that's just one guy. And I get Dominic Leone also wasn't on. But it's not that you're relying on every single guy to be on. You can kind of ride the hot hand, and that's what they do. And that's why I think it has actually generally worked out pretty well. The Giants have been able to cover those innings. I think that just going with some un, you know, some minor leaguer who's unlikely to be able to pitch well in the major leagues, and plus you have to make a roster spot for that player. You can't just call up any old player. If they're not on the 40-man roster, you have to add them, which means you have to take somebody off. So there are consequences to making moves like that. Uh, I think the bullpen game thing has worked out pretty well for the Giants. Only a couple of times did it not, but a, a few times it was brilliant, and they allowed like one run, two hits. You know, They've had some great success with it. So that's kind of my take on that. And that is all the time we have for today. So thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions. Uh, once again, my name is Ben Kaspic. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Kaspic. And if you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out so much. So thank you in advance. And thank you to everyone who's done so already. Giants will be taking on the Braves this weekend. So on Monday, we'll be back with three things we learned this weekend. 15 games remaining for the Giants. So it's seriously crunch time. So I hope to see you down the stretch here. Once again, we do Monday through Friday podcasts all year long. So uh, I hope to see you next week. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to be with you again on Monday. You are now Locked on Giants. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.